Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. Would you open your Bible with me to what book? Good job, Ruth. Ruth chapter 3. Just make sure you're still here. We've been doing, I'm, I told first, I'm really stretching this book out, see how long we can make it go. But we have a couple more weeks here in the book of Ruth, and we're going to be in Ruth chapter 3. By the way, about missions, we, many of you probably have already heard this, but let me clarify if you have not. Um, we sent Pastor Kerry, our missions pastor, down to Paraguay. Oh, golly, month, month ago, month and a half ago. And he was on a scouting trip to see the suitability of that situation for our missions trip. We had been planning to do a missions trip to Paraguay. And um, it turns out that this is not going to be a good fit for us. Nothing tragic or traumatic happened, but it just wasn't going to be a good fit for us. So we have decided not to do this particular trip to Paraguay as a, as a short-term missions opportunity for the Grace family. We are still committed to doing missions trips. We will be looking for other opportunities to do those soon. And this summer, we are sending a group of our young people to Memphis on an, a domestic missions trip the first week of August. So there's still things happening in that world, but wanted to let you know that we have made the decision about Paraguay in case you hadn't heard of it yet. So, Ruth chapter 3. Where we left off last week was this bold faith step that Naomi encourages Ruth to take. Naomi hears about Ruth's interaction with this man, Boaz, who is a redeemer, someone that's connected to their family, that would be able to purchase the land that belonged to Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and also marry Ruth, the widow of her son, and continue the family line forward. Naomi has it in her heart and mind that this is this, is this amazing thing. This guy's our redeemer. We're going to get you all done up, Ruth. We're going to put perfume on you, or you're going to you know, bathe and put your best dress on or whatever. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but get yourself ready, and you're going to go down to the threshing floor, and at the threshing floor, you're going to basically present yourself to this man as a potential wife. It was a big, bold, assertive step of faith. And last week, we just talked about how God meets us. He meets us in the everyday obedience. That positions us for his blessing. But he also meets us when we are prompted by the Spirit to take those kind of big steps. God does call his people. He does lead his people to step out in radical, bold faith at different times. He meets us when we do that. And so this morning, we're going to take time to look at what happens when Ruth goes to the threshing floor. She is... uh, Gets herself all ready. Verse 5 in chapter 3 says, after Naomi gives her the instructions, Ruth says, all that you say, I will do. And so apparently she prepares herself and she goes to the threshing floor. Look at verse 6 with me and following. This is out of the ESV this morning. It says this. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter, You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. 
And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For my, all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Verse 12. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he, will, uh, if he will, is willing to redeem you, then as... I'm sorry, I can't read this morning, sorry. But, but if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down here until morning. Pardon me, forget my... Sometimes my eyes do this funny. Does that ever happen to you? Okay, let's try that again. Sometimes your eyes ever do that thing? It's magnified when you're reading in front of a group of people. My eyes want to do all kinds of crazy things. So anyway, he says, there's a redeemer that's closer than I am. I'm going to check with that guy first. If not, then I'm going to redeem you. You got the end of the story there. So the, this is Ruth's big, big faith step. This is her big, bold, I'm going to go for it. So she gets all done up. She gets prepared. She goes down to the threshing floor. The threshing floor is a communal thing. The whole community threshes their grain at the same place. And each family would have its own specific place. So she has to find where Boaz's family's you know, area is, and then she has to wait. Now, I, I don't know why I think this, but I always think that Boaz is kind of like a bigger man. I don't know why. Like, I just imagine he's older. We kind of know that part already, right? But he, I just feel like he's just like a big guy, and he was kind of living it up. It's a party. You know, they're eating and they're drinking and they're just, it's, it's a festive situation. And I just have this idea like that he just kind of wanders down to the end of the, of the threshing floor and kind of plops on the grain. And, it, and I'm sure he was snoring, just snoring mad, like mad, right? And she waits till this happens so that she can go over to him. So when, when Boaz finally is asleep and, you know, Ruth's spying, basically, who knows where she is. She's looking, waiting for him to be asleep. It says that she sneaks over, says softly, you know, softly, like on the cartoons. Like. She sneaks over and uncovers his feet and lays down at his feet and just lays there. Verse 8, I believe, says that at midnight, around midnight, he's startled. Has this ever happened to you? Like you're totally dead asleep and next thing you know you're wide awake? Like a noise in the house. Who knows what happened? Maybe Ruth moved or something went on. But he's, he's startled awake and he sees that there's someone laying at his feet and says, who are you? Ruth responds, I am your servant. Interesting, by the way, in chapter 2 when he interacts with, when Ruth, both Boaz and Ruth interact for the first time in chapter 2, she says, I am not one of your servants. Now when he wakes up and says, who are you? He, she says, I am Ruth, your servant. And then she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Basically, in saying that, she is inviting him to marry her. She's being pretty forward, pretty, pretty out there. Boaz gets the situation, understands that he's a redeemer, and that Ruth is offering herself to him, and he accepts her. He says, I, I, there's, I'm You've done such a kind thing to me. You know, the, he says, you've, you've, you've been even more kind to me now because you've not gone after younger men, but you've gone after this older man. You've gone after me. You've presented yourself to me. I am a redeemer, but there's one closer. I need to check with him, see if he wants to buy the land and have you for a wife. If not, then I will do so. And it says that she lays down. If you read the rest of this chapter, uh, starting in verse, I guess it's 14 
through 18, she goes back to sleep um, there at, the, at his feet at the threshing floor. He wakes her up or they somehow arrange, I don't know how this happens exactly without alarm clocks, but they wake up in time where she's able to get up and to leave the threshing floor. He's covering her. He doesn't want it known that she was there that night. But before she leaves, he kind of, you know, she holds out her whatever, you know, piece of fabric and he loads her up. He says, I don't want you to go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. I want you to go back with abundance. Again, his generosity keeps coming out all through chapter two, now in chapter three, more and more generosity. And then finally, she goes back to her mother-in-law, Naomi, and Ruth tells her everything that goes on. And Naomi says, he's a good man. He's going to deal with this thing today. And that's what happens in chapter four is this interaction where he goes and seeks the other redeemer to redeem Ruth. And then eventually, of course, himself does redeem her. This is a, uh, it's a really neat, gratifying part of the story. Everything in the story has been leading up to this moment. From the very beginning, as you see how the the Lord is arranging everything, Ruth has gotten to this point where she's going to be able to present herself to this man. It's tender. It's God-honoring. There's just an intimacy in their connection in terms of communication. It's um, It's a beautiful conversation. It's a beautiful bit of back and forth. Remember, they only talk twice in the book, chapter two, at the at the uh, in the field, Boaz and Ruth talk. Chapter three, at the threshing floor, Boaz and Ruth talk. And there's so many things in here that I want to share. Let me just give you, let me just give you three quick things here this morning about this portion of Ruth chapter three. Number one is this: that all three of these people, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, all participate in this miracle. They all, as you read through the narrative, you can see them. All of them are are coming to this place where they are actively participating in what is like a slowly unfolding miracle. They are there and they are giving themselves to what God, each of them individually is listening to what the Lord is telling them to do and they are being moved closer and closer together to this culminating time in chapter four where eventually Ruth will marry Boaz. Now, when you think about miracles in the scripture, a lot of times God just like, boof, just does something, just out, you know, he just does it. And we're just, the people on the other end are just the recipients of it. When you think of something like um, Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church, you've got 120 people in the upper room, right? They're, they're praying, we know that. They're in unity, we know that. But they're not doing a whole lot, right? It's not like they're actively taking steps towards this miracle taking place. Just one day the Holy Spirit shows up, boof, falls on all of them. They experience his, the outpouring and the church is born. This miracle that takes place through the narrative of Ruth 1 through 4 is much different in that each of the people involved, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, are all doing things. They're all taking steps. They're all positioning themselves to be surrendered to whatever the will of God is so that he can work a miracle in their midst. Let me remind you of this this morning. Write this down if you would. The surrendered and the obedient are invited into God's miraculous story. The miracles that take place to this day, and I'll, I'll pick on Chris a little bit since he's here. The miracle that Chris, that Chris um, experienced with his wrist isn't because Chris is uh, a more perfect or better person than the rest of us. Right, Lauren? <laughs> He's, he's a regular person. He has good days and bad days, I'm sure. You know, I hope his patients only get good days. But you know what I mean? He has good days and bad days. He's a really good man, but he's not a man that is flawless in any way. The reason that God moves in our lives is when we're surrendered to him and we're obedient to what he says to do. Chris said, I was just sitting there in church and I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt this, I sensed the presence of the Lord. I was supposed to go and ask for prayer. He stepped down in faith 
and God met him in that place. It is the surrendered and the obedient that get to have these amazing, miraculous stories, these testimonies that we all are like, oh, tell the story again. It only happens in the lives of those that are surrendered and obedient. And these three people, Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz, are all on that track. They're not perfect people. It's not that they make no mistakes, but they're all continuing to press in and do whatever it is that the Lord leads them to do. And some amazing things take place. Now, second thing is this. In chapter 2, when Ruth and Boaz first meet, at, when, it's during the time of the harvest, it's out in the field. And they, remember they, a couple weeks ago we talked about the back and forth that they have. It's this really rich conversation. Basically, Boaz knows about her. He's learning more about her. He's really excited about her. He wants to bless her. He just continues to be very generous with her. This is what he says in chapter 2, verse 12. Boaz, speaking to Ruth, says this, The Lord repay you, he says, for what you have done. And he's talking about her kindness to Naomi, her coming with Naomi back from Moab to Bethlehem. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz speaks this blessing over Ruth. That It's kind of like he's praying this for Ruth. He's praying, the Lord bless you. The Lord take care of you. May, as you come under his wings, may you find protection. May you find provision. May you find blessing. When, when Boaz re, is re, agreeing in chapter 3, he's having this conversation where he eventually agrees to take on this woman as his wife if he's allowed to because of the first redeemer saying that he's not interested. If this, since that's all taking place, notice what Ruth says in verse 9 of chapter 3. She says, I am Ruth, your servant. And then she says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. So some of the same language that, that Boaz speaks in prayer over Ruth in chapter 2, Ruth says back to Boaz in chapter 3. She, the, Boaz says, may you find refuge under his wings. May he spread his wings over you. In chapter 3, Ruth says, would you spread your wing over me? Here's the, here's the reason that this is really important. The words that Boaz speaks in chapter 2, God fulfills through him in chapter 3. So when we pray, sometimes we're the answer to the prayers that we are interceding for. We're asking for something. A lot of times God says, oh, you're interested in that? Let me use you to be the answer to the prayer that you're praying. Write this down if you would. Sometimes God makes us the answer to the prayer that we are praying. Well, give me some examples, Tim. When does this actually happen? It happens all the time. People come to me and they'll say things like this. You know, I've been praying. Our church really needs a certain ministry. And they'll describe some particular ministry. And I know what I think as a pastor when I hear that. I always think, really? Very interesting that you think that. Because a lot of times what is, peop what is on people's heart is their passion, the thing that they're praying about. It's because God wants them to be involved in being the answer. Frankly, the church of Jesus Christ does not need more people to point out needs. That's not particularly helpful. By the way, it's not very spiritual to be able to point out needs. Like, people will say to me, like, oh, I wasn't that church before. You should see all the problems they have. And I always think to myself, well, why didn't you stay there and help them rather than just leave and tell me about their problems? When we pray, God oftentimes stirs us up. How about this prayer? Lord, would you meet the needs of those people that, have, that don't have enough, that need something physically, tangibly? Lord, oftentimes will come back to us and say, if you see that need, are you supposed to be the one that meets it? 
How come people don't make friends with those that don't know Christ and really start to bring them into relationships so they can meet Jesus? I need to be praying that way. When people pray that way, God often is saying, yes, you're supposed to do that. Please do that. We become the answers to the prayers that we pray so very often in the kingdom. If we had a, we don't have a Twitter account at Grace, but if we did, we could say it this way. Prayers often become answers. The person doing the praying is often, often by the Holy Spirit, the one who is supposed to be part of the answer. Turn to the person next to you and say, that makes sense to me. Some of you are like, but it doesn't, so I can't say that. That's all right. If it doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. I don't want you to lie. But when you pray, you can become part of the answer of the thing that you pray. Now, here's the, here's the big one. Let's talk about the rendezvous that takes place that night. She goes all, you know, prettied up, smelling good, taking a bath. She goes and she uncovers his feet. That's weird to us, but not to them. She uncovers his feet and she lies down. What actually happened that night? It's really important for us to to understand what happened. Now, in the original language, which would be Hebrew, there's nothing that indicates that anything uh, indecent or immoral took place. There's nothing in the text that indicates that it was any more than what we can read there. The idea of uncovering someone's feet and lying down has cultural implications that are difficult for us to appreciate, but it was not, as I, can say, as I would say, it's not immoral or indecent. She was provocative, yes, she was forward, because this is, she's really basically saying, would you please marry me? This is what Susan did to me. I was sleeping one night, and she came in, and she rolled my feet back, and she laid down, and I woke up, and said, what are you? And she said, would you please marry me? I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Not really. It's really the opposite. I chased her around and said, please marry me, please. It's very, sorry to be distracting, but I should make sure you're with me. It's very forward what she does. But there, if, you, if you start looking out there in the world of what people think about this text, there's, there are people that believe that it was an immoral situation. That, that when she did that, what this is like euphemistically, uncovering his feet was actually uncovering him and that they ended up coming together sexually, that they had an intimate relationship. And not only is it textually not in there, that's not in the text itself, it's not in the scriptures itself, Boaz was a godly man and would not have violated God's law. Of course, these are important things to understand, but here's the other bigger principle. This is our takeaway from it. This is what I want you to grab this morning is this. The Lord will never direct anyone to sin in order to fulfill his purposes. Like you don't get to the blessing of God through sin. Which seems like, yeah, of course, but we live in a world now that is increasingly decaying and there are all kinds of crazy stuff that people believe that God is telling them to do. I have had people uh, in ministry situations that I've been in, I've had people tell me, I've had men tell me, I feel like God has brought this woman to me to be my soulmate. It's a blessing from him that because she's meeting a need in my life that I'm not getting from my spouse. I can tell you right now, that is not God. That is not God moving in your life to bring you someone in a situation that would be immoral, that would be outside of the vows that you have made so that you can be blessed. That's not God's blessing. That is actually a curse. And I've had people say to me things, well, would you pray with me about this relationship that I'm thinking about pursuing? And I think to myself, absolutely not. By the way, I'm grateful that Beth and Marty are here to lead our prayer ministry. But here's the the reality is, there are some things you don't have to pray about. Amen? 
Come on. There's certain things that you don't have to pray about. You don't have to pray about whether you should have somebody in your life that is of the opposite sex that you are intimate with in your relationship physically and all those other things. You don't have to pray about that. God's already spoken about that. We don't need to go to the Word to find out what the Word says. We understand. He says, no, we don't pray about that. We just make a decision. God will never lead us into sin so that he can bless us, ever. Lord will say, people say things, well, God doesn't care what I do with my money. My salvation is not based on, on my finances, and therefore I don't, have to have, I don't have to do anything with God in regard to my finances. Well, I'll tell you right now, you can't get blessed on anything, with anything that you withhold from God. If you want to be blessed in any area of your life, you have to yield that area to the Lord. So that's not a blessing to be able to have the freedom not to have to connect with his kingdom principles when it comes to finances. It's actually something that will bring a curse. I had less amens on that one. How about this one? The Lord understands my bitterness. He understands how hurt I am, what these people did to me. There's no way that he can expect me to forgive them. That's not true. If his blessing is what you want, then you have to obey his word. There's no way to get his blessing. There are no shortcuts with the Lord. It always goes through the word of God. His blessing always flows from his character. Write that down if you would. God's blessing always flows in alignment with his character. If you or I try to be blessed by God by doing something sinful, we actually invite curse instead of blessing. We try to do a workaround. It never works. And these are great protections for us. His leading is always harmonized with his word. So if you're not sure that you're hearing the Holy Spirit correctly, but what you're sensing you should do is counter to the teaching of scriptures, you are not hearing the Holy Spirit. You may be hearing a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. Eventually, though this situation is very unusual, eventually... This relationship between Boaz and Ruth would produce the greatest king in Israel's history, King David. Many generations after that, in that hereditary line, the Messiah himself would be born out of this relationship between Boaz and Ruth. If Boaz had slept with Ruth that night before they were together officially, before he had redeemed her and they were husband and wife, if Ruth had given herself to that man that evening, I tell you right now, you would, never hear, you would have never heard of either of them because God would not have blessed and he would not have moved in that situation. He would have found another way to bring King David and he would have found another way to bring the Messiah because God won't work around his own word to bring about his plans in their lives or in ours. He is a God of amazing grace. Amen? And he is a God of no compromise. And that is so hard for us to wrap our minds around, that he is infinitely loving and and, and graceful beyond our ability to comprehend and absolutely 100% truthful and will not move off of what is truth. And somehow, amazingly, he is able to, to merge those two things together, and that's what he calls us to be as well. The temptation for us as people of God, is to be so grace-oriented that we deny truth or so truth-oriented that we forget about grace. And God is calling us to stand right in the middle in this dark day and say, we love passionately, sincerely, and genuinely, and we will not compromise the truth. It's a hard place to stand, but that's where he calls us to stand. Because how God does something in our lives is just as important as what he does. And there will always be alignment with his word. Would you stand up with me, please?
I want us to pray together. I want us to, um, thank you, Beth. I want us to, as, as, a, as a pastor, shepherd, it is my heart's desire that we would be blessed as a church and that you would be blessed as individuals. I want that for you. I regularly pray for you that God would bless you, that God would bless your work, that he would bless your families, he'd bless your marriages, he would bless your parenting, that he would bless the things that you put your hands to in ministry. I pray that for you. I'm sure that you pray that for each other and for yourself as well. But here's the deal. God will not bless that which is not blessable. In other words, we cannot hold on to some bit of sin in our lives and expect God's hand to just, just be blessing us and looking in his eyes to look past that thing that is not pleasing to him. Instead, he would have us to come and repent. He would have us to come and say, Lord, take all of that stuff away. I want to totally surrender so that I am blessable by you. And then, and only then, see his hand do amazing things in our lives. So I want us to pray this morning. Would you close your eyes and we'll just take a moment just here to be quiet before the Lord. I want you to answer this question quietly in your mind. I want you to answer this question. Are there places in your heart, in your life, in your behavior, in your attitudes, in your words, is there a place where you desire to be blessed by God, but you are ignoring his ways? Some place of, of rebellion, which is what it is, some place of disobedience, some place of selfishness, some place of judgment or bitterness. I want us to pray together this morning and invite the Lord to wipe that away so that we would be a people fully and completely blessable, able to be blessed by him. And then we're going to ask him to pour out his best and richest blessing on us. Just take a moment and think right now. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Father, we're so grateful, grateful for your spirit that works with us where we are. The counselor comes alongside and he encourages us and he points out places where our lives are not in alignment with your word, where we are not blessable. Thank you for your spirit that makes that clear to us. This morning, Lord, we, we come to you. We want to be like, we want to be like Boaz and Ruth. We want to be people that are above reproach. We want to be people that aren't holding on to anything of, of the flesh, anything of the world, anything that, that, is, that is not in alignment with your word. We want to let those things go. Father, in the name of Jesus, please forgive us. Places of selfishness, places of greed or lust, places of, of, of just disobedience and rebellion to your word. Lord, help us not to think more highly of our own thoughts than we think of your word. But rather, Lord, may we esteem your word highly we let your word direct and guide us in what we will do, what we will say, and how we will live. And then, Lord, we will walk in a place ever blessable by you. Please pour out your best blessing on this Grace Church family, on these individuals that are here. Deal with us where we are, Lord. Restore us to a place of purity. We thank you, Lord. We look forward to what you are, you're going to do, and we are grateful for what you are already doing. We just say, Lord, we surrender to you. Help us to be obedient. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I want to speak a blessing over you before you go this morning. 
Grace family and friends, may the, may the Lord bind up your broken hearts. May he give you freedom from captivity. May he release you from darkness. May the Lord comfort you and give you a, a crown of beauty instead of ashes. May he give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning. May he give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Grace Church family, may you be oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. May you be those oaks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this episode made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com.